It's time for Mercedes-Benz Giants Extra Point on the WFAN Giants Radio Network. Driven by the Hess Toy Truck, here's Lance Meadow. Mercedes-Benz Giants Extra Point is brought to you by GEICO. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. American-made Peerless Boilers. Go to peerlessboilers.com for a dealer near you. P-S-E-N-G. We make things work for you. And brought to you by the Mercedes-Benz Winter Event. Visit mbusa.com. Lance Meadow, Bob Papa, Carl Banks with you as we're recapping the Giants' 20-6 loss to the Browns at MetLife Stadium. The Giants now have dropped two straight since their four-game winning streak. They are now 5-9 and nine overall on the season, tied with the Cowboys for second place, one game back of Washington, which lost to Seattle earlier today. The Browns improving to 10-4 and four as Cleveland continues its quest for its first playoff appearance since 2002. We have a lot to tackle over the next hour-plus. We'll also get to your phone calls at 877-337-6666. But before we do that, I bring in Bob Poppett, Carl Banks. And guys, as you hit on all throughout the course of the broadcast, Bob, I think if you were to say, well, what is the biggest storyline in this game? It's red zone inefficiency versus red zone efficiency. And the Giants had three opportunities. They only had three points to show for it. The Browns, three opportunities. They cashed in for touchdowns. Those lengthy drives showed up in the box score for the Giants. It was the complete opposite. Yeah, Lance, uh, the Giants had scored 13 touchdowns in their last 18 trips in the red zone. So they had kind of gotten that figured out, and I think that was coupled a little bit with you know their ability to run the ball over the last bunch of weeks. Uh, but, Carl, they were not able to execute in their red zone opportunities. Uh, some missed throws by the quarterback, uh, some poor execution. And, you know, the Giants passing up three points, going for a fake field goal. I didn't blame them for going for a fake field goal. They thought they saw something. And, in fact, when you looked at it, the way it was blocked, there was no pressure on Dixon. He had some options, and he chose the wrong one. Yeah. Um, I didn't blame him for that. Uh, Cleveland has the fourth best red zone offense. Uh, but the Giants coming away with no points and especially not scoring touchdowns proved to be a killer because they never put pressure on the Cleveland Browns like they could have in this game. No, they did not. And what you wanted to do is to really change the way Cleveland wanted to play this game, and you really didn't. Uh, if you're if you're saying, well, we're going to score and we're going to put pressure on them to score, you didn't. You changed the way they played the game, but you had a competent quarterback who could pass the football. So taking away the run game or minimizing it to the point to where Baker Mayfield would have to pass the football did not work in your favor because you didn't have a pass rush and he had all day for long, late developing plays to um, to be executed. And that's what he did. I mean, he had a long time when he dropped back to pass on some of those play action passes and, you know, windows were wide open after a while. Yeah, I mean, and, um, you know, the Giants weren't able to get a pass rush. They got one sack. That might have been the only time he was pressured. Um, And, you know, they were able to hit third downs. And one of the keys to this game, the numbers got skewed a little bit late. Cleveland round up finishing two of five on third down attempts of nine or more yards. But for the bulk of the game, they had only had one third down attempt of over nine yards, which they had failed to get. And everything, Carl, um, they had, let's see, five and three is eight. I mean, they had eight of them inside of six yards, and they hit seven of those eight. When you when you keep a team in that manageable distance, it, it's pretty hard to 
stop them and get off the field. No, it is. And then let's just look at you give up a 75-yard drive for a touchdown, a two 95-yarders for touchdowns, and you count the amount of plays the defense has logged in this game, I'm sure it's over 60. So, um, you know, it's a complimentary type of game you have to play when you're shorthanded in a lot of areas. And, you know, we see when this defense, and they're shorthanded themselves, when they've got to log a lot of plays and, and drives end up in the red zone, they do not play as fresh and as well as they would uh, in other situations. And as I said, Lance, um, I mentioned it to several people leading up to this game when the news broke that Bradbury uh, had come in close contact with someone with COVID-19, so he would not play. And I think what was underreported last week was the fact that coming off the Seattle win, Darnay Holmes, the rookie slot corner out of UCLA, missed last week's game. And you couple that with the loss of Bradbury – to me, that was almost a bigger factor than Daniel Jones not being able to play because, Carl, it takes away a lot of what Patrick Graham was able to do as far as his coverages, sure. creating pressures, taking a chance, sending people because Bradbury can lock somebody down, which kind of frees you up. Instead, you got Love and Yadam playing out on the corners, two guys that you can't love, so to speak, no pun intended. And then a bunch of other guys in there that, you know, I think it, it, it those were big losses. And not, not that teams don't deal with injuries, but from this standpoint of this team, though, not having those two guys I think was a big factor on how Graham was able to call the game. Yes, and that underscores, or I should say highlight, even more of a reason why they should get points. They just they can't come away without points. Now, obviously – this team doesn't plan on not having successful plays, but you've got to be able to put points on the board in a game like this when you know that both personnel, uh, from a personnel standpoint, that you don't have a complete team on defense and actually some key players out on your defense. So you don't want, and you saw last week what happened when this, um, this defense logs a lot of plays. You just, they just don't hold up well. Not many defenses would. Yeah, and I think part of um, I think part of what you know Joe Judge was thinking in this game for going for it on uh, the fake field goal, which I know will be you know it's easy to second guess it. Again, I didn't have a problem with the Giants going for it. They thought they had something that they could score a touchdown with, and they felt like they needed touchdowns. I think the other thing that happened in this game, Carl, was Joe Judge went for it then. He went for it on fourth and a long yard from just outside the five. Uh, mm-hmm. They didn't execute that properly. Sterling Shepard wasn't able to get a piece of the safety, which um, created an opportunity uh, for the safety to come in and get a piece of Goldman, which enabled him to be slowed down in which the rest of the defense saw. I think Joe Judge was banking on, hey, if we take some of these chances and go for it deep, I trust that my defense is going to get a stop and we're going to get good field position. That never happened. They never stopped them. They did not. Trying to take pressure off of the defense, point well taken. And to Carl's point, 63 plays 
that the Cleveland Browns ran in this game. 37 of those plays came from the three lengthy touchdown drives. So that pretty much sums up what the Giants defense was put up against in the 20-6 loss to the Cleveland Browns. We will unravel plenty more out of this contest as well as look ahead to the matchup with another AFC North opponent, the Baltimore Ravens, on the road next Sunday. First, a reminder, Big Blue Kickoff Live presented by the New York Lottery is the Giants' daily call-in show on Giants.com. Every weekday from 12 to 1, all part of the Giants podcast network presented by Investors Bank. The archives can be found on the Giants mobile app and on all popular podcast platforms. We'll be back right after this. You're listening to Mercedes-Benz Giants Extra Point on the WFAN Giants radio network, driven by the Hess Toy Truck. Mayfield back to throw. He's under pressure, trying to escape to his left, and he's brought down and sacked by Dexter Lawrence. The ball came out, but they say Mayfield was down. And Mayfield a little slow to get up. Dexter Lawrence having himself a whale of a game. Gets his fourth sack of the season. That was the play of the game brought to you by Pepsi, the official soft drink of the New York Giants. The lone sack of the game for the Giants. Browns got a sack late in this contest as Cleveland's offensive line, one of the best performance-wise in pass protection throughout the course of the season. They only surrendered 17 sacks entering this game. That was tied for the fifth-fewest in the NFL. But remember, the Giants gave up eight sacks to the Arizona Cardinals, so a huge step in the right direction, only surrendering one considering they were facing Miles Garrett and Olivier Vernon. Right before we stepped aside, Bob and Carl, you guys were talking about Joe Judge maybe being aggressive to try to put some points on the board to help out his defense. Here's the trend, and here's the biggest issue right now. When you look at the last four games, yes, they won two of those four. They've lost the last two. They have failed to score at least 20 points in each of the last four games. They scored 19 against the Bengals. They scored 17 against the Seahawks, seven against the Cardinals, and then six tonight. So you can make the argument, Bob, even if you settle for field goals in those early drives, there's still no guarantee that that is going to be enough to get past the Browns team that found a way to score three touchdowns and get 20 points. Yeah, Lance. I mean, um, again, it's a a great, you know, it's an easy second guess. I don't don't second guess the first one. The second one, maybe I would have taken the three points. Um, and just gotten something positive out of it. Um, but I think Joe Judge was trying to get the ball in the end zone. And, you know, listen, in this game tonight, Golden Tate should have had a touchdown. Ingram should have had a touchdown. Um, that's on the quarterback. You know, he underthrew him. Um, those guys are open by NFL standards. Mayfield would have made those throws. That's why McCoy's a backup. You're hoping that Jones would have made those throws. Carl, their inability to score points, and everyone wants to zero in on the play calling, and anytime you hear Giants fans talk about that, ah, oh, Jason Garrett's got to go. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's not the play calling. It's execution of the plays. There have been enough plays this year where they have plays dialed up that look like gold, and the ball gets dropped or there's a sack sure. because someone misses a blitz pickup or the quarterback makes a bad throw. Um they got to play better as a team. Well, again, let's just go back to the two to two plays you can highlight right away. <clears throat> was the Darius Slayton sideline pass, which was just 37 yards. If he leads him out there, it's a walk-in touchdown. Should be a 53-yard touchdown. Right. Or the Evan Ingram red zone. That's a basic play. I mean, he's just running a little arrow route, and just all you got to do is put it on him, and he walks in. But the ball was thrown late and behind him. And he was open from the snap. So you get him two, three steps into his his route and just put it on him. He just sprints right in. 
then you're not kicking a 37-yard field goal. Correct. You're going. You're up seven nothing. Yep. There was yep. another play in the game where Slayton slipped in the back of the end zone too, as he was trying to cut back to perhaps give McCoy another alley. Yeah, I mean it's it's all Lance. It's all of those things. You know, guys yep. slipping, dropping balls. Uh, you know, poorly thrown ball. There's a. You know, it's that's. Yeah, I mean that. I mean when you fans, when you 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 have these gripes with a coach because it it fits a narrative, right? That you think he he's he's a a bad play caller, then ask yourself what plays would you be calling? Because all all, all offensive coordinators are only as good as their players' execution, and I think we've just laid out. 14 points worth of uh, plays that were not executed properly. And so if you are holding the Browns to 20 and you put 14 up, um, you probably got a pretty good chance to win this game. But you don't because you don't execute. Now, I mean, you you can question some calls. But like, just let's just not blanket say, well, you know, you need a new offensive coordinator because he's not doing enough with, you know, the guys he has. Well, he's got some plays that are working, if they can execute them, and it's enough to win football games. So, I mean, if you're looking for the Kansas City Chiefs, you better have Kansas City Chief uh, personnel out on the field. We are here on Mercedes-Benz Giants Extra Point. Lance Meadow, Bob Papa, Carl Banks with you, capping the Browns' 20-6 win over the Giants. We'll step aside, come back. Later on, we'll hear from head coach Joe Judge, get his take on this latest setback for the Giants. We'll also get into some of your phone calls at 877-337-6666. As the Giants now fall to 5-9 and nine on the season, tied with the Cowboys for second place, a game back of Washington in the NFC East race with two games to go. We'll be back right after this. You're listening to Mercedes-Benz Giants Extra Point on the WFAN Giants Radio Network, driven by the Hess Toy Truck. First to 10 at midfield with 5.20 to go in the game of the Giants down 17. McCoy floats it on the right seam, completes it to Ingram, and he gets tackled at the 25, so a gain of 25 there to Ingram. That highlight brought to you by Oikos Triple Zero, the official yogurt of the New York Giants. Oikos, stronger, makes everything better. As we welcome you back to Mercedes-Benz Giants Extra Point, Lance Meadow, Bob Papa, Carl Banks with you. As we are recapping the Giants' 20-6 loss to the Cleveland Browns at MetLife Stadium, Giants now drop their second in a row following a four-game winning streak. Still in the hunt for the NFC East title as each team now has two games to go as we look ahead to Week 16. We'll get into that Baltimore Ravens matchup in a little bit. A reminder for more game analysis, check out Giants Rewind each week for a breakdown of the X's and O's with analysis from one of our Giants legends, all part of the Giants Podcast Network, presented by Investors Bank, available on your favorite podcast platforms, Giants.com and the Giants mobile app. 877-337-6666 is the telephone number. Let's open up the lines. We check in with Nick in New Jersey. Nick, welcome aboard. What do you got for us? Hey, Lance. Thanks for taking my call. Appreciate it. Sure. Thanks for weighing um, in. So what do you have for us? Yes, thank you. Um, big Giants fan and, and just, you know, was really excited after the Seattle game, you know, excited to go into December with some meaningful games and just frustrating in my eyes to see the coaching not to be up to standards the last two weeks with, you know, the obvious DJ being injured in last game and you'd think that Colt McCoy should just be out there because he's healthy and could do a little bit more. And I know all, you know, you, the three of you were talking about, you could see how Judge, 
you know, you could see him going for those uh, fourth downs. And I just feel like you got to put points on the board. Give yourself a chance to go ahead 3 nothing and go ahead 9-7. And late in the game, you're down 20-12 to with the potential to put the defense on the field with four and a half minutes to go and potentially get the ball back to tie it up. So it's, I guess just as a Giants fan going into the stretch, we haven't had a lot of cheer for the last eight years. And it would be nice to see us put points on the board and give us a chance to win. Well, I mean, this is you're going against a team that's been that's been scoring almost 38 points a game over the last three weeks. Uh, he felt that he needed touchdowns to win this game. Uh, you know, I, I, I don't know. I don't. I don't. I don't mind the aggressiveness on the fake field goal. The fake field goal, I have no uh, issue with. Um, but I, I mean, I get your point. They need to get some some um, some touchdowns or at least get points on the board. But again, we. We saw a couple opportunities for them to execute from a player standpoint because the play was the Agreed. right play called, and they didn't get it executed. E- even down to that fake field goal, they had the right play. The, the defense was completely flummoxed, and he threw it where the biggest cluster of defenders were because he could have run that. He could have given it to Evan Ingram. It, it was only three yards to gain the first down, so – he had options. I'm sure they practiced all those options, and he probably took the one that was open in practice and not the one that he actually uh, should have been looking for in the game. And I'll tell you, Carl, yeah, you, I mean, you, you hit it on the head. They don't have execution on offense, and you, you love what they did on the defense in the offseason this year, and I hope that we see some playmakers come in onto this team in this offseason, like an Allen Robinson or somebody that can give us some stretch in the field and some, you know, some playmakers on offense. But thank right, Nick, you for the, for the appreciate time. the phone call. You got it. This was a Browns team, Bob, to your point. They had scored at least 40 points in the last two games. So it's understandable that Joe Judge is saying to himself, we're not going to walk away with a win if we only reach 19 points. And Carl, as far as your point is concerned about that fake field goal play, could you argue in addition to you know where he went with the ball, you're throwing it to an offensive lineman who, granted, I know has played just about every position on the offensive line, but is not yeah. necessarily known for his receiving prowess. Well, regardless of where he is on the field, he's just not he's not known for his ability to catch an alley oop. I mean, if he's <laughs> you know he's he's probably the the um, unusual suspect, if you will. So he, they were probably counting on him being wide open, and they could just lob it to him. You know, but he ended up throwing a jump ball to him, and that's just not his skill set. So, um, that that is what it is. But you know, the the fans being frustrated, uh, I get it. But they're frustrated in December and not in October, which is a good thing. So, um, there's still some some things to play for. They still have an opportunity. It's a tough road ahead, but they they they're still in it. Yeah, I mean, Judge rolled the dice in this game for two reasons. He realized that you're limited at the quarterback position, Mm -hmm. so let's take some shots here. Let's run a fake field goal. Let's go for it on fourth and one at the five. got to get touchdowns. And he was also banking on the way his defense has played this year not to give up two 95-yard drives. Well, yeah. So so both guesses – turned out wrong yeah and it, but the thing is also um when you're looking at your personnel bob and your your team's inability to get any type of pass rush you gotta say okay i gotta help these guys out last week i didn't help them out they were on the field for 84 plays this week 
Um, they can't stop anybody because they don't have two of their key players. And if you rush the passer, you're just going to give up more big plays. If you don't rush the passer and you play zone, he's going to pick you apart. So you got to pick your poison. And they just didn't generate enough pass rush, if any at all, today to impact uh, how Baker Mayfield played played the, uh, the quarterback position. Yeah, that's why Baker was efficient, 27 of 32. The team overall, 9 of 13 on third down. And as Carl mentioned, they had one sack and they had one quarterback hit the Giants in this game. That's it. As they fall to the Browns, 20 to 6 at MetLife Stadium. We will step aside. When we come back, we'll hear from head coach Joe Judge, get his take on the Giants' unfortunate performance here on Sunday Night Football. We'll be back right after this. You're listening to Mercedes-Benz Giants Extra Point on the WFAN Giants Radio Network. Driven by the Hess Toy Truck. This is Joe Judge. You listen to Giants football on the fan, WFAN and WFAN-FM, New York. Welcome back to Mercedes-Benz Giants Extra Point. Lance Meadow, Bob Papa, Carl Banks with you as the Giants fall to the Browns 20-6 at MetLife Stadium. The Giants had won three straight against Cleveland in New Jersey. This was the Browns' first win in New Jersey since 1985. So now the Giants will look ahead to Week 16 and they will turn their attention to another team out of the AFC North that is on a three-game winning streak that has scored at least 34 points in each of its last three victories. And... Maybe you don't have to worry about, Bob, the passing game as much when it comes to Baltimore, but you've got to worry about Lamar as a runner, J.K. Dobbins, their rookie back, as well as Gus Edwards. It is a three-headed monster that the Giants' defense is going to have to be consumed with next Sunday. Yeah, and, uh, you know, they got a ton of explosive plays. Uh, They've got 23 runs this year of 20 or more yards. The quarterback is a big factor in all that. They uh, will also throw it over the top. They've got 17 pass plays of over 30 yards. Uh, yeah, I mean, listen, it's going to be go- like going against Kyler Murray all over again, what the Giants dealt with last week, but an even better Kyler Murray in the league MVP from last year. Yeah, he's a dynamic player. Um, they've just got to prepare. When you talk about the run game, you've got to bake him in. With that, but the key is you cannot allow him to hit wide open players because his scrambling normally creates explosive plays where there's no one in the vicinity of a wide receiver. The Giants are going to probably have to play five guys on the line of scrimmage just to, you know, eliminate some of the throwing lanes. And hopefully they get some of their players back where they can play some man to man coverage on the tight ends. Yeah, I mean, they need they need Bradbury back. They need Holmes back. Uh, we'll see if Daniel Jones can come back. That's why I thought, like, that listener earlier, you know, was questioning, you know, McCoy playing last week. Well, we also saw McCoy's limitations because he had some throws in this game that might have made this a different game. But his inability to get the ball to Ingram, who was open, or Slayton in the right spot, or even Tate at the end when the Giants had to settle for a field goal, You know, it eliminates your chance for a fighting chance, so to speak. And it completely changes the dynamics of the game because, Carl, as you alluded to earlier, now Baker Mayfield and the run game, the ratio's even. When they play from ahead, that's Cleveland's style of football. They don't want to have to play from behind where Baker's got to throw 35 to 40 times. So this game, in terms of flow, played right into the hands of the Cleveland Browns. No, it really did. And, you know, that's why Cleveland's run game is so good because um, they they can – pass on their own terms but what they ended up doing the Giants you know basically made him a passer but he did pass on his own terms he got every single throw that he needed 
So now the Giants look to regroup against the Baltimore Ravens next Sunday. Gentlemen, always appreciate the time and the insight. We will speak to you a week from today. You got it, Lance. All right. Happy uh, holidays and Merry Christmas to all our listeners. Absolutely. And same to the two of you. We now turn our attention to the coach's press conference brought to you by the Mercedes-Benz Winter Event. Visit MBUSA.com. Let's listen in to head coach Joe Judge. Appreciate your patience. Want to check on a few of the this players. This meeting the is being recorded. And, uh, you know, like always, want to make sure I make my rounds of the guys before I get out of here. You know, look, before we get going, I'd like to give credit to the Cleveland Browns. They played a good game tonight. Uh, they got a talented football team. It was well coached. They were able to take advantage of a lot of situations, opportunities they had. Uh, you got to give them credit. There's a lot of things we did well in the game. We didn't do enough well, obviously. We got to capitalize and finish drives. We got to make sure we do a better job of getting off the field uh, and then taking advantage of, you know, field position when we create it right there. And I said, it's obviously all three phases and all coaches involved. You know, we've all got to do a better job. That being said, open up to any questions you may have. Dan Duggan, The Athletic. Hey, Joe, you were, you know, more aggressive than usual on those fourth downs in the red area. How much was that impacted by, you know, Cleveland has a very explosive offense. You guys were a little shorthanded. You felt like you needed to maximize those opportunities. Yeah, field goals weren't going to win this game. So, look, I'm not afraid to call things aggressively. I'm not afraid if I think we have a good scheme and a kicking game to call a fake. I'm not afraid to run the ball in fourth and one. And we'll play to our defense at times. If we don't get that, we've got to go out there and stand up defense. Our defense has done that consistently throughout the year. We're going to play the strengths of our team. But, look, I'm not afraid to call it aggressively. We went into this game with that mindset. So we've got to do a better job making sure we coach it the right way, execute it the right way, and come out with the results we want. But that being said, we're going to call this thing aggressively, and we're going to play it aggressively. And when you make calls like that, you let your players understand that you have confidence in them and that they can play the game aggressively. So we have confidence in our players. I want them to go out and play aggressively. I can't tell them all week that they have to go into this game with an aggressive mindset and then hold them back at some point where we feel we have a chance to make a play. And can you just explain what you saw and what happened on the fake? I mean, look, they did a good job. They uh, obviously fell off and made the coverage. Mike does a real good job, you know, coaching those guys. They were, you know, situationally, there was a little bit of confusion at first. They settled on down. Uh, we thought we had a chance at it. It was worth rolling the dice right there and playing to our defense. They made a play. We didn't. That's all right. I thought the scheme was sound going in. And uh, if we have something else, we'll always look to use it in the right opportunity. Thanks. Jack Rosenblatt, NJ.com. Hey, Joe, I guess, how would you say how the operation was with uh, Freddie uh, calling the plays as opposed to Jason? And, and how did you feel like the offense performed overall? And I, I know you only wound up scoring six points, obviously. Yeah, I'm not going to make any kind of comparisons here to one or the other. I thought the offense did a nice job working together tonight. I thought there was good communication. And, uh, you know, obviously everything was cooperative this week with the offense and how they had to do it. thought they did a good job as a staff in terms of communicating through different mediums. Obviously, Jason, you know, threw a lot of Zoom stuff. And then uh, Freddie getting ready to call the game. And I thought, you know, Freddie, you know, called the game in the right way, kind of moved the target a little bit on it a little bit. We had some opportunities down the field to make some plays. We called it aggressively. Um, but we got to make sure we just put ourselves in better position and execute the finished drives more often. Pat Leonard, New York Daily News. Joe, how much did James Bradbury's absence impact what you guys had to do on defense and how difficult is it defending a team that runs the ball well um, but also can can kind of find those windows in the zone when it has time? Yeah, I think they did a really good job tonight of obviously, you know, using the run game set in the past. Our defense did a nice job for the most part of, you know, really limiting an explosive run game. You know, these two backs are two of the best in the league. Uh, look, they were able to go ahead and find some open windows and take advantage of them and keep drives moving. Uh, it's our responsibility to have the players who are in the game coached up and ready to go. Uh, we focus on the players that are at the game. We never make any excuses or explanations for anyone who's not at the game, and, and we're focused on the guys we had tonight, Pat. Jordan Rodnan, ESPN. 
Hey, Joe. This is now four straight games where you scored under 20 points. How would you describe the state of your offense at this point? Yeah, we just got to come back in here on Wednesday and get focused on Baltimore, find the best opportunity for our team to go out and make plays. And, uh, look, we got to go ahead and finish drives right there. And where's uh, talk about the decision of going with Colt over Daniel and uh, what you think about where Daniel is physically for next week. You know, look, hopefully he's doing better. We'll have to look at him again on the grass this week in practice. But the decision for me was simple. You know, he obviously had two injuries this week. He was worse off than he was the week before. I say all the time, I want to put guys out there in position to defend themselves. You know, this team does a very good job in terms of rushing the passer, good flow, aggressive calls. I want to make sure I put this guy in a position to defend himself. I didn't think with the state of where I saw him in practice this week that I was doing the best thing by Daniel long term. Everyone understand that? So, again, I've got to make you know decisions from 30,000 feet. I've got to look at what's best for this team in the short term. I also have to consider our players long term. All right, and I've got to consider the safety of the guy going forward. Tom Rock, Newsday. Joe, these, this was a Browns team that had scored over 40 points this last two games. You you held them to 20. I I guess my question is, had you known that they were only going to score 20 points, does, would that have changed your earlier decisions to be that aggressive? No, you don't go in with some kind of a crystal ball and say they're only going to score 20 points. You know, we knew we got down there. You know, we're going to have an aggressive mindset to go ahead and finish it. And then defensively, you know, we're going to have confidence in our players to go out there and execute and hold them in the field position and make a play in the return game with punt return. That's the way we have to gear this game up. And my thinking has to be that if I take a chance here, that we've got to play to our defense and give ourselves a chance to establish field position in the special teams and then put our offense back in field position. And that really happened in the first drive. They stopped the fake. Our defense was able to stand up on a fourth down right there. We had field position. We were able to get on down there, get a field goal. So, look, that's the way you've got to go ahead and play it sometimes. All right? But we've got to go ahead and make the decision to be aggressive. Obviously, this team scored a lot of points throughout the year. It's an explosive offense. They do a very good job of moving it, sustaining. They've really been on a hot streak lately. We knew coming in what kind of team they were. And we had to call the game a certain way. And then um, what did you um, – why, why did you put the uh, – run the fake instead of keeping the offense on the field for that fourth down play? Yeah, I mean, look, just real simple. I thought it was a well-designed fake. We, we've executed and practiced that, you know, consistently throughout the year. Thought the timing was right. And you look to go ahead and just roll the dice sometimes to take a chance. You hit that thing, everyone, you know, you're the guru. You don't hit that thing, everyone wants to second-guess the decision. And I understand that completely. But, you know, when the coaches come up with a good scheme and we think it's got a chance to be successful, then we're going to go ahead and play that right there. Thank you. We'll take two more. Uh, Tom Canavan, Matt Lombardo. Tom Canavan, AP. Hey, Joe, you had a chance to go back into first place, and now you've got two games left. Do you get the sense time is running out, or how do you approach it? Look, our approach is still going to be the same, you know, and it's going to be come back to work on Wednesday and put everything into it. Okay, we have two weeks left, but the reality is the only thing we can do anything about is this week right here. So we've got to show back up on Wednesday. We need our best week of work as a team. We're going to need our best performance as a team next Sunday. we got to go down there and play a Ravens team who's well-coached. They have a lot of talent. They're a physical team. And obviously, there's a lot of multiples they can create on offense with the skilled players they have along with the physical offensive line. So, again, we got to clean up mistakes from tonight before we move on forward. But this has to be a game that we got to go ahead and make sure that we improve on consistently as a team throughout the week and put it together next Sunday. Matt Lombardo, fan-sided. Hey, Joe, are you getting enough out of your pass rush right now? And, and how difficult is it to win a game when the opposing quarterback completes 84% of his passes and Dexter Lawrence is the only guy who can get a sack? Yeah, I mean, obviously, if the other team has that kind of success, they're going to be able to go ahead and move the ball on you. And this team did a good job tonight with time of possession. Um, you know, look, we, we got to go ahead and play to the hand of whatever it is. You can't call everything as an all-out, you know, blitz or fire. You've got to play a lot of things based on what their offense is. 
we just got to consistently do a good job of, you know, playing zone defense, match up in man and win our leverage when we do play man defense, tackling the space and getting off the field when we get a chance to. Did the fact that you guys were down Bradbury and Darnay impact how aggressive you guys were with the front seven at all? No, look, we're going to always go ahead and call it, you know, based on the people we have there and how we can play it. But a lot of times it's based on who the opponent is and how they play their offense as well. One thing this team does a really good job is it's obviously a run game, which sets up the move, the pocket plays, the boots, the sprint outs, things of that nature. You know, if you get caught too much and just being overly aggressive without reason and you're not sound on the back end in terms of closing off space, you can really take advantage of defenses like that who kind of just go at you willy-nilly with blitzes and boot away from it, get Baker in space and make plays, you know, when it's a little clear in front of them right there. But look, that's a talented team. All right, they got a lot of really good players. They got good scheme. They got good coaches. They did a good job tonight. We got to give credit to them. We have to do better as an organization. Thanks, Coach. You're all set. So that was head coach Joe Judge speaking with the media following the Giants' 20-6 loss to the Cleveland Browns as the Giants now fall to 5-9 and nine overall. We'll step aside. When we come back, we'll get you caught up with everything else happening across the NFL in a very busy Week 15. Jeff Fiegels will join me as well. And a little bit later on, we'll get to more of your phone calls at 877-337-6666. We'll be back right after this. You're listening to Mercedes-Benz Giants Extra Point on the WFAN Giants Radio Network. Driven by the Hess Toy Truck. This is Will Hernandez, and you're listening to Giants Football on the Fan, WFAN and WFAN-FM, New York. At the Geico Sports Desk with this sports update, I'm Lance Meadow. Let's take you through the rest of the NFL Week 15 scoreboard. The Jets finally put one in the win column. They posted their first victory of the season by knocking off the Rams in L.A. 23-20. The Jets managed to run out the final 3 minutes, 54 seconds of the game, thanks to a pair of first downs. As a result of the win, the Jets no longer control the first overall pick. That belongs to the Jaguars, who suffered their 13th straight loss. They fell to the Ravens 40-14. Lamar Jackson had four touchdowns, three passing, one rushing as Baltimore won its third in a row up next the Giants. Seahawks clinched a playoff berth by holding off Washington 20-15 and with the Rams losing moved into sole possession of first place in the NFC West. Cardinals topped the Eagles 33-26. Kyler Murray threw for a career high 406 yards and three touchdowns. It's now nine straight wins and counting for the Chiefs. They outlasted the Saints 32-29. Patrick Mahomes had three touchdown passes. So did Drew Brees in his first game back from rib fractures and a punctured lung. The Cowboys made it two straight wins with a 41-33 win over the Niners. Dallas scored 24 points off four San Francisco turnovers. The Titans are heading to the playoffs after running past the Lions 46-25. Ryan Tannehill collected a career-high five touchdowns, three passing, two rushing. Derrick Henry added 147 yards on the ground and a score. Tennessee has won four of five and remained even with the Colts for first place in the AFC South. His Indy topped Houston 27-20. Phillip Rivers hooked up with Zach Paschal for two scores. Colts are on a three-game rise. Dolphins ousted the Patriots from playoff contention. They took care of New England 22-12. Miami ran for 250 yards and three touchdowns. Bears kept their playoff hopes alive by edging the Vikings 33-27. Bucks overcame a 17-0 deficit to stun the Falcons 31-27. Tom Brady threw for 390 yards and two scores. As that is what is happening across the NFL landscape, we welcome you back to Mercedes-Benz Giants Extra Point. Lance Meadow, Jeff Fiegels with you as we are recapping the Giants' 20-6 loss to the Browns at MetLife Stadium on Sunday Night Football. The Giants' power report brought to you by PSENG, committed to providing safe, reliable energy now and in the future. On the ground tonight, Giants ran 21 times for 74 yards. Alfred Morris led the way with seven carries for 39. Wayne Goldman added nine for 29. So remember, they went seven straight games 
with over 100 rushing yards, now two straight games in which they have been under 80. We will get to Jeff Fiegels here in a second, but right now let's pause 10 seconds for station identification on the WFAN Giants radio network. The Jets get their first win of the year beating the Rams, and the NHL season will start January 13th. Lori Rubinson follows the game on WFAN and WFAN-FM New York. So we now bring in Jeff Fiegels as Hello. we continue to recap the game. How are we doing, Jeff? Good, good. Well, we talked about this at the half, and we had mentioned that time of possession was not that far apart, Jeff. Yeah, it was but very close. You had three red zone opportunities and an opportunity to give the defense some wiggle room, essentially, because last four games, last three entering tonight, they failed to score 20 points. And we just heard from Joe Judge. He said, hey, we knew field goals weren't going to win this game. And field goals, Jeff, don't win you many games, especially when the opposition holds the ball for over 10 minutes, more so than you in time of possession. They had to find a way to score touchdowns, and the only way to do that tonight was to be ultra-aggressive. Yeah, I think Joe Joe Judge summed it up. You know, his his approach was to be aggressive, and then and, and really, when you look at what this defense has been able to do throughout the season and put it in their hands to stop the other team, well, they did it on that first the the fake field goal. Um, the defense ended up stopping them on the fourth down play, so that was kind of a you know a wash. But you know, I, I think that you know he hit the nail on the head. I mean, you got to be aggressive. You got to try to win some games, and especially when in the last couple games you haven't been scoring points. The Browns coming off two 40-plus performances, so you got an idea. I know one of the reporters asked him, well, if you knew they were only going to play, you know, score 20 points, and I, you can't ever think that. you know. Just, but you know that going into the game, their game plan is you're going to need to be aggressive. So, um, I, I mean, he backs it up. But the bottom line here with all the red zone is execution. You could talk about uh, all the play calling you want, and, you know, Bob and Carl had mentioned it, but, you know, you as a player, when the – when the play comes in, you got to execute it. And they just didn't do that today. And, you know, that's why they only scored uh, six points. And so that's, that's pretty much it. Well, but Jeff, here's the thing. The question that you were referring to in the postgame presser, which mm-hmm. was if you had a crystal ball, Joe, and you knew that Browns yeah. were going to score 20 points. Okay, so let's say he takes the conservative approach, Jeff, right? And they settle for two field goals. They don't go for it on either okay. of those four downs. Based on that math... I'm you're giving you cl- six more points. Okay, yeah. you're still down twenty to twelve, Jeff. Yeah, you know yeah. you still have to find a way to eventually get into the end zone. Even if you go by that logic and you take the conservative approach, that's only giving you twelve points, and that's not winning you the game either and, way. And by the way, he was being aggressive, and if you execute some of the plays, you got the touchdowns. The Darius Slayton play that was a, you know, he was gonna he was gonna catch that ball. He just slipped. Yeah, um, Colt he McCoy, was cutting back. Yeah. And, but Colt McCoy threw it exactly where it needed to be. Um, Evan Ingram play, um, you know, so there's some other ones there that just, you know, if you execute and you you do your job, uh, you score those p- touchdowns there. And then now we're talking about a completely different game. Well, and the other thing that you have to take into consideration when we're looking at the aggressive approach or take the field goals, as he mentioned in his press conference, Jeff, he's – saying to himself, hey, this defense has been pretty solid. This defense has also found a way to get off the field on third down. Mm -hmm. However, now you look at tonight's game, Cleveland was 9 of 13 on third down, and majority of the downs were, of course, manageable downs, eight yards or less. But more often than not, you're probably hanging your hat on the fact that, Jeff, we're probably going to force a few extra punts, but that didn't happen tonight. So that was more of a reason why you needed to get 
an opportunity to punch it in early as opposed to just settle for three points. Yeah, and you know, in some of those third downs, even though they were third and longs, they converted longer than the first down they were needed. There were some big plays on third down. And, you know, really, when you look at, at what how much time that Baker Mayfield had, and we talked about this in our scouting report. I told you that the Cleveland Browns and Baker Mayfield were the number one team in the National Football League for time in the pocket, over three seconds. And that came into effect today because when you couldn't get pressure on the quarterback, Baker Mayfield is having an outstanding year. He had an outstanding night. He just has plenty of time to throw, and he'll pick you apart. And so the Giants didn't do a good enough job getting him uh, frustrated in the pocket and by pressure. They just couldn't get it. Well, this sells home your point. Third and 22, he hits Peoples-Jones for 18 yards. Okay, even on a third and 22, they managed to get nearly all of the yardage back. Third and seven, he hits Higgins for 20. And then on a third and 10, they get the first down. He hits Peoples-Jones again for 19 yards. So there's three third downs right there where it's seven yards or more. And on two of the three, they managed to get the first down because, to your point, Mayfield had plenty of time to survey the field and execute. And that was a big difference in this contest. We will step aside. When we come back, we'll get more into how the Giants regroup as they look ahead to the Baltimore Ravens matchup, another challenge in the AFC North. We'll also hear from a few players as well as your calls at 877-337-6666. Hang tight. We'll be back right after this. You're listening to Mercedes-Benz Giants Extra Point on the WFAN Giants Radio Network, driven by the Hess Toy Truck. This is Golden Tate, and you're listening to Giants Football on the Fan, WFAN and WFAN-FM, New York. At the Geico Sports Desk with this sports update, I'm Lance Meadow. Let's take you through the Week 15 NFL scoreboard and a very busy day in the National Football League. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers overcame a 17-0 deficit. They topped the Falcons 31-27. It was the Cowboys 41, Niners 33, Dallas scoring 24 points off of four San Francisco turnovers. Tennessee ran past Detroit 46-25, Ryan Tannehill five total touchdowns. The Colts topped the Texans 27-20, Indianapolis and Tennessee tied for first place in the AFC South. The Dolphins formally eliminated the Patriots from playoff contention with a 22-12 victory. Miami running for 250 yards. The Bears kept their playoff hopes alive with a 33-27 victory over the Vikings. The Seahawks, they punched their ticket to the playoffs and moved in to sole possession of first place in the NFC West with a 20-15 win over Washington. The Ravens crushed the Jaguars 40-14. The Jets knocked off the Rams in LA 23-20. The Jets get their first win of the season. However, they sacrifice control of the first overall pick. Eagles fell to the Cardinals 33-26. Kyler Murray, career-high 406 passing yards, three touchdowns. And the Chiefs outlasted the Saints 32-29. Patrick Mahomes, 254 yards, three touchdowns. Kansas City, 13-1 on the season, 8-0 on the road. As that is what is happening across the NFL landscape, we welcome you back to Mercedes-Benz Giants Extra Point. He is Jeff Eagles. I'm Lance Meadow. Giants fell to the Browns 20-6 on Sunday Night Football. The player of the game is brought to you by the members and contractors of local 825 operating engineers, ELEC 825, building our future. And the player of the game is going to be Dexter Lawrence. Why? Because he did a little bit of everything when it came to the stat sheet. Six tackles, two solo. He had the lone sack for the Giants, tackle for loss, a quarterback hit, and also a pass defense. So, Dexter Lawrence, our ELEC 825 Building Our Future player of the game. 
Up one next. Them, yeah, one of them was on that fourth down play. It was. That pass deflection. Had a good game. Good call. Yeah, he was very active. I'm glad that you approve because I know sometimes it's been a little contentious between yes, you and I. Yes, it has. You yes, haven't necessarily seen eye to eye. So it makes me feel very good that I could sleep well tonight. We're on the, we're on the that same Jeff page. Eagles approves That's it. the player of the game. There you go. Well, That's you my goal. Lance. It's about time you got it. Absolutely. Right. I know. It's about time. It only took me, you know, 15 <laughs> games into the season or so, 15 weeks. But yeah. anyway, back to the point. So as far as the outlook down the stretch here is, Jeff, I know okay. a lot of people are going to say, well, this was a major setback for the Giants because Washington lost. There was an opportunity for them to reclaim first place. There's no arguing around that. But here's the other part of the equation, and you and I talk about this each week. The mindset can't be somebody else is going to do the work for you. The Giants have to win. They have to go out and beat the Ravens. They have to go out and beat the Cowboys. The mindset can't be they'll lose, but Washington will fall apart and the Cowboys will unravel yeah, and the that. Giants will then back their way into the postseason. Yeah, and, and, and you know that nobody says that in the building. That's that's just a – there's no mindset like that. Um, you know, yeah, you're upset about the loss. I mean, you got two games in a row now. You haven't played your best. Um, and, and we're not – you know, I, I'm not going to make excuses for this team because – you know, even Carl and Bob had said it, and we understand that injuries happen for everybody, especially in the league with COVID this year. Um, there's a lot of teams that have been out, their players, their star players, but certainly, and you can tell that the loss of Bradbury and Darnay Holmes was was very crucial because, you know, Patrick Graham could not call some of the defenses he wanted to call because the scheme just wasn't there and, and something that they really built momentum over the season with. And, of course, Holmes was a guy that came in here as a rookie and learned the position and has been able to, to really do a nice job. And then all of a sudden Patrick Graham says, okay, we can start to change up some of our defenses. We can put Logan Ryan in some areas. But, you know, tonight you had, you, had, you had some guys in there that just haven't played a lot. And so when then when you can't get pressure on Baker Mayfield – and you've got a, a, a zone defense, a very soft zone defense that the, the Browns exploited. And, you know, they were able to make some of those third downs like you talked about. But, you know, you're, 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 you cannot look forward to other teams losing. Um, you gotta, you got to concentrate on your game, understand, go back and correct what you got to do. The Giants went up to Seattle and, and played a game that they, nobody thought they could win. Um, so, and you shows you today that the Jets get their first win yeah. against a team that's going to be in the playoffs. So anything can happen. And, you know, a lot of times some of these teams just look down on their opponent like the Giants. And maybe the Giants can go into, into Baltimore and win this game and turn this thing around because this two weeks is left. And we talked about this, Lance, months ago. Not months ago, maybe about a month ago, that how important these last couple games are, and especially the last one of the season when the NFC East is beating up on each other that final Sunday of the of uh, the NFL season, and we'll see what happens when it goes into those to that weekend. And it could very well because you got the Giants playing the Cowboys, and then Washington's going to play Philadelphia. I want to yeah. piggyback. I mean, and, and too, you know, yeah. I, it's, and the other thing too, as as sorry as the NFC East is, it's probably the most competitive <laughs> run much. for a division championship than the than anybody. I mean, that's that's the one division you're going to want to watch. Because you have no idea at this point (laughs) who's going to get the job done because it's still wide open no matter as the weeks pass by and move forward. I wanted to mention, because you brought up James Bradbury, I didn't even realize this. He's played 100% of the defensive snaps this season. 
He yeah, did that's not pretty miss good. one defensive snap. Yeah. 874 to be exact. So when you talk about, oh, don't worry about it, Patrick Graham will have the versatility mix and match personnel. Yes, but you know what? That guy's been on the field for every single one of his defensive calls this season. That so when you amazing. remove him, yeah. absolutely, Jeff, that changes the dynamics. That cannot yeah. be overlooked. It really does, and that's durability. And unfortunately, that you know the 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 virus took him off the field. Not as not, it wasn't an injury. It was just you know something that everybody and every team is dealing with. That's the other wrinkle that every team has to digest over the course of this season. We've seen a lot of quality players, unfortunately, be sidelined sure. because of the COVID reserve list. That's why depth is the key, and the Giants can attest to that first. And the good thing about Bradbury is, it just from what the reports are, that this is a this is a, you know, this is he does not have COVID. He's just he was just um, you know in the high risk at high this risk. Point. So yeah, so I mean most, and that the time back is less in that instance than him having COVID. As opposed to him having to quarantine yeah. for uh, multiple games. And sure. uh, we'll also have to wait and see whether or not Daniel Jones will get back on the field. That is something we'll continue to talk about as we move forward. So stick with us. If you're listening to us on The Fan in New York, we'll be right back with more post-game coverage. But it's time to say goodbye to the affiliates on our radio network and on the Giants digital platforms. Final score, Browns 20, Giants 6. You've been listening to Giants football on the WFAN Giants radio network, driven by the Hess Toy Truck.